Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, part of learning how to lead a whole lot better has been understanding who I am. I think it was John Calvin who said, without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self, and without knowledge of self, there's no knowledge of God. So true. That was like emotional intelligence half a millennium before there was emotional intelligence, like in the literature. It's just, it's just brilliant. And one of the things that I've been both, you know, amazed and somewhat horrified at is the whole journey of self-discovery as a leader and sort of discovering my weak spots, my blind spots, but also the unique ways that God has created me. And so uh, today on the podcast, what's so exciting is we're starting a bit of a two-part series, a mini-series. Uh, today's guest is Rodney Cox. Next week, I've got Terry Linhart, and we are talking all about self-awareness. And really, that's the heart of emotional intelligence. And if there's one thing that I really think you can grow in as a leader, it's emotional intelligence. And if you improve your EI, you kind of improve everything, which is awesome. And so how do we get into this? Well, a number of years ago, I did a survey I'm going to tell you about in, in the interview with uh, that Rodney's company actually created which gave me the most accurate profile of myself I'd ever read. And we tell some of the story in the interview with Rodney. Hey, just so you know, if you're curious about like whether you want to go through that assessment or whether your team does, uh, Rodney was super kind and he is giving our listeners, you guys, 20% off um, the Ministry Insights profile. So if that's something you're interested in, you can go to ministryinsights.com and on checkout, use the promo code CAREY, C-A-R-E-Y. You'll get 20% off. And uh, man, I'll tell you, it was so helpful to me. I, I actually changed some stuff based on, on what I did with that. So thanks to Ministry Insights for that. Then next week, it's Terry Linhart. We're going to talk about self-awareness and why that is such a pitfall for so many leaders. So I'm pretty pumped about these next two weeks because, well, that's been a big growth area for me. And speaking of growth areas, what are you doing to grow as a leader this fall? Um, I am super excited that uh, Andy Stanley is joining the Orange Tour this fall, and he's got a day prior to the Orange Tour itself called Deep and Wide. It's going to be happening in five cities, and then the Orange Tour is going to 20 cities nationwide uh, in the fall of 2017. So I'm really excited for that. It's all about reaching the next generation and creating a faith that is irresistible. If you want more information, go to orangetour.org. You can register now before those dates sell out. And how would you love to sell out a volunteer training event? You know what? My guess is, bet you've never done that at your church. You invite all your volunteers and you hope they show up and then, eh, you know, 40%, 50%, 60% show up. If you haven't yet checked out trainedup.church, you need to do that today because they bring a solution. This is this is what I love about the age we live in. They bring a solution that wasn't possible a decade ago, okay? If you can't get all your volunteers trained by bringing them to training, why don't you bring the training to your volunteers? That's what trainedup.church does, is they actually provide an online conduit to train all your volunteers. So you can shoot videos like your training videos and away you go, and uh, they'll deliver it on their portal or if you're like, well, I don't really have the time to train my volunteers, they'll do it for you. They have ready-to-go videos that, that you can use for your team. Or here's another option. If you're like, well, I want to train my team, but we don't really have the gear, you can even get the gear from them. Like the options are unreal. Go to trainedup.church. They have helped so many churches get even up to a full like 100% training of all their volunteers done and isn't that something you want? A fully aligned, fully trained team. Go to trainedup.church and they will help you out. Tell them that I sent you. And uh, well, without further ado, why don't we jump right into today's conversation? I am talking with Rodney Cox, the CEO of Ministry Insights. And here we go. Well, I'm really excited to have Rodney Cox here today. Rodney, welcome. Wow, it's great to be with you, Gary. Yeah, I uh, I met you sort of accidentally and everything that you're part of at Ministry Insights uh, five years ago when we hired Tony Morgan to come up to Conexus. And uh, I was lead pastor at the time. 
And I was trying to puzzle through our next staffing matrix. We were trying to bump through that elusive like 800, 1,000 attender, which we have subsequently. And I knew we had to grow our team, but I didn't know how to do it. And so Tony came up and he introduced me to this profiling system that we're going to talk about today. Tell me, how did you get interested in personality profiling? Golly, man, I'll try and make a long story short. (laughs) I was a a regional manager for Snap-on Tools Corporation at the time. And um, I had a Sunday school teacher uh, expose me to behavioral profiling for the first time. Wow. And that was in the late 80s. And he and I did some research. And uh, because I was struggling uh, inviting the right people in uh, and putting them in the right seat of the bus, I actually had franchisees that were spending a quarter of a million dollars and failing. And it was a real issue for me. Yeah, money, money doesn't buy you team, does it? Yeah, it doesn't. And it doesn't buy you success. And huh. and so we did some research and um, uh, discovered, you know, that there were actual tendencies and propensities of success. And it gave me the ability to invite people in at a, at a different level. And so that's where leading from your strengths was birthed for me. And I've been a student of personality and profiling systems ever since. Wow. So tell me, uh, how long ago was that? Like, how long have you been doing leading from your strengths? Yeah, that first encounter was in 1989. Oh, wow. So this and, is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. A long journey for me, you know. And, and you know, the more and more that I worked with organizations, I left Snap-on Tools Corporation, became a corporate consultant. The more and more that I discovered that strengths were really important. And placing people in the right seat of the bus was very important. And releasing people to lead from their natural strengths was even more important. And so that's kind of the birth of the leading from your strengths process. That's cool. So this is a disk profiling system, but you've done some variations on it as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a disk-based profile. It's, it's under the disk language, but the way we patent, obviously, is how we score and deploy uh, that four quadrant model. And if you notice in leading from your strengths, we actually deploy the disk model into what we call the four inescapable areas of difference, how you problem solve, how you process information, how you manage change and how you face risk. Every team will have to deal with those four areas every day. And so then we divide those four areas into eight strengths, two strengths of, on each continuum. So no matter Where you fall inside of our model, you bring four unique strengths of strategy into any team or any relationship. So it avoids kind of that traditional pigeonholing of DISC, even though we're building off of that same theory. Yeah, so I'm going to dive in, and we talked about this beforehand. This will be interesting for anybody who's ever worked with me. Also, maybe interesting to the listeners, it's a little bit self-indulgent, but I'm going to read you um, some excerpts from my profile because... Leaders, when I read this, when Tony Morgan, and I didn't know Rodney at the time, I'd never heard of Ministry Insights or Leading from Your Strengths, but when Tony Morgan presented me with this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the most accurate description of me I've ever heard. I felt instantly sorry for my wife, sorry for my children, (laughs) sorry for everybody who's ever worked on my team. And it kind of read like a report card that uh, your parents would want you to work on. Do you know what I mean? And and so... (laughs) And yet it reveals the strengths and weaknesses of my entrepreneurial side, the drive that I've got as a leader. So if you're an A-type driven leader, see if you can relate to this. But listen to how specific. I'm reading actually from the report. Um, And so I'm just going to read a few excerpts, if that's okay, Rodney. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here we go. So it starts this way. Carrie may have difficulty dealing with others who are slower in thought and action. I'm like, oh, man. Under pressure... (laughs) Carrie has a tendency to actively seek opportunities which test and develop his abilities to accomplish results. He can be aggressive and direct, but still be considerate of people. Other people realize his directness is one of his great strengths. He's extremely results-oriented. Oh my gosh, sometimes I wish I wasn't, but I am. With a sense of urgency to complete projects quickly. Ask anybody who works with me. Okay, how much of a priority is this? It is. It's just period. Can you prioritize? They're all important. Uh, tend to have a short fuse, believe it or not, I do. Uh, And people think I'm so nice, but I've, I've, I've compensated for this. When he feels people are taking advantage of him, he's considered daring, bold, gutsy. 
uh, works long hours until a tough problem is solved. After it's solved, Carrie may become bored with any routine work that follows. Uh, Faced with a tough decision, he will try to sell you on his ideas. Sometimes he becomes emotionally involved in the decision-making process. Oh my gosh, do I ever. And then many people see his decisions as high-risk decisions. I mean, when I read that, it goes on and on. There's several pages. Um, You know, I I had had a friend of mine say to me, you know, like, Carrie, you, you like, sold like you got walked away from two million dollars worth of assets to start over again because you thought it might like help you reach more unchurched people and i'm like yeah and he goes you know that's crazy right and i'm like no (laughs) not really like it just doesn't feel crazy to me i'm always like stopping things and starting things and launching things and i read through this and and it was just challenging and there's some good self-awareness stuff in there too i'll read a couple more lines Kerry challenges people who volunteer their opinions. He should exhibit more patience. This is the report card part. And ask questions to make sure that others have understood what he said. He may lack the patience to listen and communicate with slower acting people. He likes people who present their case effectively. Um, All this stuff. He may lose interest in what others are saying if they ramble or don't speak to the point. His active mind is already moving ahead. How do you get that accurate? I mean, we had never met. And like, I'm reading this and I'm like, have you just followed me around? And I mean, I've done Right Path, which is amazing and it does similar things. But like, have you just been with me? Have you had a camera on me since I was two years old? I mean, this is elementary school. This is high school. This is university. This is my volunteering. This is my marriage. this This is my friendships. This is my work. Like, it nailed me and not always in a in a positive light but in a really honest visceral light um yeah yeah tell me absolutely. about absolutely yeah so carrie it's like man are you vulnerable to your listeners and authentic mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what we want out of great leaders right authenticity well, it's just and it, true and it's in that yeah it's in that place in which we learn about ourselves and we learn about others and we grow you know carrie one of the things that is interesting to me is I bet if your wife were sitting here on the phone, she would say, Carrie, that's why I married you. Yeah. Right? It's well, like some that's days, what was so days. attractive. <laughs> right, right. And then other times she can say, hey, Carrie, you remember uh, we talked about that in your profile, and I'm feeling that right now. And now mm-hmm. Carrie goes, oh, I'm not meaning to put that pressure on you, and yep. so on. So the way in which we do this profile, Carrie, uh, if I were to ask you or any of your readers to reach out and grab, I mean, listeners, any object sitting in front of you t- today on your desk, Yeah. 99 out of 100 times, you would reach for that object and pick it up with your dominant hand. Of course. That is an eight. It's in you. Yep. So yep. what we do inside of our questionnaire is we force you into a conscious and subconscious thought pattern. Right. And we do that very purposely. So we're looking for subconsciously inside of our questionnaire, how you're responding. And once you get into that subconscious thought, you go, you know what? You move to a conscious position and you say, I'm like all those things in the questionnaire. And we say, yeah, but you got to make a choice. Right. Make that choice. And then you go, well, I'm not sure I like that choice. And you switch it. And it's from that point forward, we watch everything you do inside of our questionnaire and Carrie, if I told you that that word picture that we wrote on you consists of 19,860 different statistical possibilities, <laughs> there, are, there are no two people that are listening to us today that take a leading from your strengths profile that will have the same exact resultant narrative. Right. You're not boilerplating this, right? You're no not boilerplating this. And it's like, hey, it said exactly the same thing about me. And I right. mean... You've got other things like communicate checklist for communicating, which is super helpful, Rodney. And I'm I'm yep. walking through mine because that's the one I've got in front of me and I'm not going to share somebody else's. But I want yep. leaders to understand this is where we're going, how helpful tools like this can be in understanding your team. Because often there and we don't we don't really have a high conflict work environment. I mean, we have a few no. issues here and there, but we have a pretty harmonious work environment. But there are times where you're like, I am just not connecting with this leader or, um, you know, I've had a long time assistant who's coming back from maternity leave. We've had to work through literally all of these issues because she is totally different. I mean, Sarah Piercy yep. is like, 
super harmonious, really kind, uh, doesn't like conflict, and she's working with this like A-type driven crazy person who's me. (laughs) And, you know, we've we've navigated all this, but this was like a shortcut. What took us years to figure out, um, you know, is right here. So, you know, for example, when we're communicating, you know, it, it says in the report, and, and this is how detailed assessments like this get. And I'm saying whether you do an assessment or not, leaders, all I'm saying is if you understand your team at this level, you will lead your team so much better. So, for example, Absolutely. when you're communicating with me, um, provide systems to follow because I'm not going to create them. Use my language. Use his jargon, it says. Um, motivate and persuade by referring to objectives and results. And that's so true. Like if somebody says to me, well, it's going to take a year, you're going to be in 18 meetings and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm not doing it. And they're like, okay, this could triple the growth. I'm like, what? Uh, Okay, interesting. Uh, Support the results, not the person if you agree. Um, Put it in writing. I need it in writing because I'll forget. Verify the message was heard. And then then I had other things too. Um, It tells you what not to do. Um, don't ask rhetorical or useless questions. Don't use a paternalistic approach. Don't come with a ready-made decision or make my decision for me. Uh, don't forget or lose things. Be disorganized or messy. Confuse or distract him from important tasks. Like that, I don't even like that, but that's true. I don't like disorganization in others. I don't, I, I don't mind it in myself. And then <laughs> the thing that really got me, like keys to motivating. How do you keep me in the game? And and this, I'd never read this before. It gets to the level of uh, changing environments in which to work and play. Now, by this point, five years ago, I had an office. I had a home office, but I didn't like to be in those all the time. And so I would create third and fourth offices for myself. And like that predicted it. I would work on the porch. I'd work on the front porch, the back porch, the living room, Absolutely. the kitchen. Absolutely. I'd, I can't sit still. Um, and then it says, next bullet point, travel or changing workstations. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, a variety of work activities, uh, control of his own future, new challenges and problems to solve, big picture approach, wide scope of activities. People ask me all the time, why do you like work full time and blog and podcast and write books and speak, and build into leaders. It's like, I don't know. This is telling me this is how I was created. Is that is that what this stuff reveals? That, that's enough about me, but I want to get into like that level of detail I've just never seen. And so that type of detail, level of detail, is not designed to be used as a lever or a weapon. It's designed to be used as a window into effective communication and effective deployment, right? Right. So me knowing that about you and empowering you to live your your uh, live out your strengths in that environment versus other people, if you were to give them or change that kind of create that kind of variety in their structure, it would absolutely sabotage their productivity. It would kill them. And so yeah. it would kill them. They have to have a semblance of order and structure and so on and so forth. Other people. Uh, can't have that kind of environment. So understanding how to empower each person to lead from their strengths, staff to their limitations, understand just like why do you need a staff? You Mm -hmm. need a staff that brings something different than you that can now put the infrastructure in place and the support mechanisms in order to serve all the people in which you're serving. And so that's that's why we need teams. That's why we need each other and so on and so forth. If you had everything, then God wouldn't have created anybody else. <laughs> right. You don't. And you you um, put all this on what we lovingly call on our staff a pizza wheel. And uh, yeah. basically it's a clock or a pizza wheel. And you sort of locate everybody uh, in a quadrant. And if I remember correctly, if it's a clock, I'm around um, three o'clock and I'm way yep. out there. And we had other staff who were on the opposite side. And the point, if I remember correctly, is, you know, your organization is going to fail. If, if everyone is like me, we have a failure of an organization because everyone's moving right. too fast. Nobody catches up. The right, like the, the three o'clock versus the nine o'clock, three o'clock people move fast. I'm the fastest yep. mover in our organization at the time. And that's just usually I am in an organization. I'm just, let's just get it done now, now, yeah. right? 
And but that's disastrous if you see that repeated again and again. Um, right. And so what you need is people all over the clock or all over the pizza wheel. And you need people at the top and at the bottom and in the middle and, and who are slower and who can pick up the pieces. Um, but I think a lot of people don't instinctively understand that. Um, talk about that and how this works in a team matrix. Yeah, so if we're not careful, what we do is we kind of buy a myth as a leader. And that is, if I recruit people in that problem solve the same way I do and process information the same way I do and so on, then we're going to create harmony and efficiency. Mm-hmm. But this is simply not true. What happens is, is we tend to fight over the same space. Right. And so, so, but we do that unknowingly and unwittingly, and then we can't figure out why we don't have any efficiency. Right. So this visual illustration that we call the strengths will gives us the ability to kind of have a, a checkup where, you know, where is it that we all plot and can it tell us a story? And if we're all in the quadrant of, promote, persuade, but then we don't have any supporters and relators or we don't have any coordinators or implementers, then we have all these great ideas, but then nobody implements anything. There's no follow, follow up, follow through. So then other way around, maybe we've become so stale in our infrastructure and our structure that we're not doing any pioneering work and we're not getting, we're not creating any innovation and we're, we're dying. We're not, we're not excelling. And so the wheel gives us the ability to take those those snapshots and analyze it and drive a conversation about now what does that mean to our organization and our team? So it's all about objective data, right? Right. It's not about good or bad. It's not about, um, you know, it's about what is. Now, what do we do with the what is and drive conversations that bring us into a greater level of efficiency or effectiveness? Well, and I think as an organization grows and matures, whether that's a church or a business or a not-for-profit or whatever, it's even more important to have somebody with all the skill sets. And I remember our gaping hole at the time, yep. four years ago, five years ago, uh, was we had no one who was moderately paced and task-oriented. We had a lot of relational yep. people. We had yep. some very fast-moving entrepreneurial people. We had some slower relational people. We had... Um, structured people who were relational, but we didn't have someone who was really like, there was just this gaping hole on the wheel yep. where yep. it's like, okay, clearly our next senior hire has to come in that field. And when it did, yep. we got a lot better. Oh my gosh. Like Absolutely. that, that helped us actually break the thousand barrier. That's what we were missing. And when we yep. staffed to that strength and we got systems as much as I'm not the biggest systems fan as when we got systems, we are able to sustain the growth that we were receiving and push past the next barrier. Right. That's awesome. You know, uh, uh, another thing I'd like to kind of say here is, is a, a lot of what we do as we work with church planners and things of okay. that nature is we try and help them understand they need to build functional team. In other words, um, you know, what we keep looking for as well as the perfect team well, think about it at what it takes to actually go and do a pioneering work, let's say, in order to birth the church right. is very different than what it takes then to grow the church and then to sustain the church. So even as we're, you know, placing people in the right seat of the bus, how do we manage the expectation or build functional teams and manage the, let's say, congregation or the employees expectation around functionality? So we yeah. could build a functional team that does a pioneering work. Then we disband that team, build another team that now builds a, a growth strategy, and then disband that team and now build a, a, a sustaining team. So thinking that way helps us become more functional in nature than trying to build that super team or that superman organization, if that makes sense. Now, as a whole yeah. organization, we want to have all that representation. But functionality is very important and variety is very important in that functionality. What do you say to the people who are like, we started this together, we're going to be here together forever? Like, can the team that starts something when it's, you know, three people working out of your house or a Starbucks um, be still at the helm when it's 3,000 people a decade down the road? It's, it's harder. Yeah. And once again, it's more about transitioning those piece, those people to the next pioneering initiative inside the organization. Right. And so 
and help them understand that the strengths that they're applying, no matter where it is in the organization, is vitally important to the overall mission of the church or the organization, and that we don't look at it in 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 um, intrinsic. We don't look at it from a value proposition, right? We, mm-hmm. uh, in in other words, it's intrinsically value no matter where you're applying it, whether it's at a startup or whether it's at the you know, at this, at this level. So that's how we tend to try and manage that. Just repurposing the strength into a different level or a different work inside of the overarching initiative. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave. It just means you may not hold the same role because you were a great leader of 15 people, but now there's 150 people and you're better off over in this corner pioneering something new. Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of times it takes a lot of emotional intelligence out of the leader and a lot of, of, of bruises yeah. and, and a lot of dead ends and slot canyons in order to uh, um, box canyons in order to come to that conclusion. So a lot of what leading from your strengths can help leaders do is to embrace what it is they bring to the table and be willing to freely give that away mm. and stop journeying after things God didn't give you to become something he didn't create you to be. Yeah. Just just give away what he gave you to give away and invite others to give themselves to you and the things he didn't give you. And so that's that place of interdependence is great leadership. It builds great organization, but it takes individuals that that are that are willing to just embrace what it is they have and freely give it away and be okay with that. Well, and you know, you mentioned emotional intelligence, and that's one of the next questions I wanted to ask you. Like when I read my profile, uh, I mean, I'm I'm only half joking when I say it read like a report card that you kind of get in trouble for. Uh, and I realized right. that everybody's strengths has a shadow side, and so do mine. So I tend to always have my yep. foot on the gas pedal, never on the brake. I'm always like now, 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 next, 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 new, 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 right? And and sometimes that can come at the expense of relationships. Uh, so as I read this. You know, what does a leader like me do with information like that? Because I would read, I mean, obviously I was a lead pastor at the time. Yep. I read everybody's reports and it's like, gosh, I wish I was more like this person, but I'm not. Like, right, uh, and right. again, it's, is, is it like a leopard trying to change his spots or like how do, what, what, what do you do with information that when you see yourself as a leader, whether you get it in, in this leading from your strengths profile or even get in a 360 review that you had yep. with your team? How do you process that when you realize, yeah, I come with hard edges? What do you do? Yeah. So uh, what does it really mean to renew our minds? <laughs> what, what, it, what does it really mean, uh, you know, to think of ourselves with sober judgment and things of that nature? And I think that great leaders like you, when you're in a conversation with somebody and you're going, go, 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 go. And somebody on your team says, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. You have enough emotional intelligence to stop and say, help me understand why we should wait. Yeah. And that takes a spirit of humility. And if we don't understand ourselves and we don't have good objective data at the table in order to understand ourselves like a leading from your strengths profile, then what we'll do is we'll become defensive and we'll defect out of the conversation. So we teach a basic concept. When you find yourself in conflict, you do one of two different things. You either lean in or you lean out. Mm. And if you lean in and you stay engaged, then there is incredible things that come on the backside of that. If you lean out and disengage, then there are incredible consequences that come with that as well. Yeah, I think that's really good, you know. And and as I started to, I mean, I started with uh, Strength Finders and a bunch of other profiles, including Right Path over the years. But, but, you know, it was in those moments that I think I began to realize, oh, not everybody's wired this way. Oh, my strengths have hard edges. And, you know, honestly, I've gone to counseling over some of this stuff that I've learned, and I will give feedback to my team. And I'm like, okay, was that too fast? Was that too hard? Am I being unrealistic? Because I also minimize how much time it takes to do things. It's like, we'll just get it done. It's like, well, that's like 52 hours. Did you know that? No. In my mind, it's 15 minutes, you know? And, and so how, how does a leader 
create the kind of dialogue in an organization where everybody can be honest about their strengths and weaknesses? What are some best practices you've seen? So what we do is we bring objective data to the table in the leading from your strengths profile. Right. It's very difficult to sit around the table and to drive this kind of conversation because we all have past experiences, both positive and negative, and we don't know what the motive is. So what we do is we want to bring a leading from your strengths profile to the table. We want to have individuals highlight key things out of the profile that are very important to them. So let, if we were in the general characteristics mm. or the do's and don'ts in communication or the ideal environment or keys to motivating, whatever, our best practice is to simply highlight two or three key things that are really important to you that when you read them, you go, man, that's me. And then yeah. share them around the table and clar- clarify it and ask others to do the same and drive a conversation based out of objective data, not all this masking behavior and scripting behavior. And so it takes a process like the leading from your strengths process and good objective data to drive good objective movement inside of teams to where we create environments and we create cultures where it's okay for us to wrestle. It's okay for us to to disagree on something and find consensus in agreement through that disagreement, because that's the way God works. It's like, mm. consider it all joy, brothers, when you find yourself in these various trials, because once that trial has done its work, we can find something on the other side of it that neither one of us can find independently on our own. Yeah. But we have to think that way, and we have to be leaned in. Instead of leaning out, we have to engage instead of defect out of the conversations. We have to seek to understand each other and we have to create environments where communication happens at a very high level. Not a good or bad, not a that statement's good or that bad statement's bad. It's is. So what do we do with the is in order to live our lives in a spirit of unity and oneness as we lead God's people? When... um when you run into, as I'm sure you do when you're consulting with organizations and leaders, you run into that senior leader. And I'm picking on the senior leader because that's usually yep. the seat I've occupied. Um, not all of them are going to be willing to have the conversation. And I think the candor of the senior leader and the humility and the transparency of the senior leader is going to impact the entire team. And I know yep. there's some people listening right now who are like, well, if we did this at our church, everybody would be in except for the senior leader who doesn't like to admit any weaknesses, who says there are no problems. What do you do when you get a resistant senior leader who just kind of throws a wet blanket on honest conversation like this? What are your strategies? Yeah, I start somewhere and let it bubble up. <laughs> okay, what do you so, mean by that? Tell me. Well, it's it's like if somebody's been exposed to this conversation and they like the principle and they exercise it with the people in their closest sphere of influence, and we see a level of life and unity that we've never seen before, then that senior leader is going to ask, what's going on? Mm. And it's in that place in which we can invite that senior leader into an experience of vulnerability maybe that they've not had. You know, Kerry, I think that we place way too much responsibility on the shoulders of that senior leader. And if we're not careful, what we do is, is we elevate that senior leader to a level in which is actually the head of the church instead of just being another piece of the the body right with a function in order to bring under the headship of leader of, of Jesus Christ and ascribe to the philosophy that it's up to us to lead God's people it's not up to me to lead God's people mm. it's up to us this team in which God is strategically placed together in order to lead God's people. And you know what, Kerry? What? I think that takes a lot of weight off of the senior pastor. I take it, I think it takes it gives that senior pastor the ability to be real and transparent and start living life again instead of trying to hold up and juggle and and uh, and 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 basically, you know, bear the weight of the whole church on their shoulders. Yeah, that's a pretty big weight. And I remember Jesus said something about uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So let me ask you this. Can a team be more long-term, not just like for a month or a year, but long-term, can a team be more emotionally intelligent than its leader? Uh, 
Absolutely. Really? Uh, I, okay. I, I, I think I, I think that I think that uh, that it can short term. I think long term, what will happen is that the that the senior leader, if they are less emotionally inter- intelligent, will just mm-hmm. get eaten. Yeah. So the the organizational out, culture, right? yeah, 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 will eat them, and so and they'll blame everybody else. Uh, they'll they'll fire people and they'll run over people and they'll hurt people along the way. And I, I got a great friend. His name is Russ Ullman. He runs an organization called Ministry Advantage, and and um, down at Lake Point and, and yeah. uh, Steve Stroop's church. And right. And uh, Russ Ullman, he, he I, I love him, man. He he he's got this this great attitude about himself. He said he got mad at God early in his leadership career. So he went out on top of the mountain. He was shaking his fist at God. And he's like, God, why can't you just send me good people? You said, if I, if, if I would go lead that you would send people to lead with me. And (laughs) all I get is people that keep quitting. And, and God says, you, you know what, Russ? There's one common denominator in this whole equation. (laughs) He said, you "You know who that is? (laughs) And he said, that was a life changing moment for me, man. He's like, man, I'm, I'm the problem, but he's like, I'm also the solution. And so that, you know, I think that's great insight by a great leader for leaders that find themselves in that position. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would encourage whether that comes in the form of an informal 360, a formal 360, uh, whether it's leading from your strengths, right path, strength finders, whatever, for the senior leaders who are listening, I just want to encourage you, man, to the extent that you own this, you're going to make it easier or more difficult for your team to own their strengths and weaknesses too. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Is, hey, can I, uh, yeah. can I uh, dive into something real quick? You Go. mentioned strength finders. Yep. So uh, I, w- I want to just talk to that for a moment. You know, strength finders is an amazing tool and yeah. we would not see ourselves in any way to be in a competitive position with strength finders, right? Strength finders is going to tell you what's going to happen. Hmm. What leading from your strengths is going to tell you is how it's going to happen. It talks about the strategy in which you will go about applying that, that talent. And Hmm. I think the two of those tools together make for a real good one two punch inside of leadership development and team development inside of your church. The only thing I would caution you to in strength finders is be careful about the message in which you apply because a lot of strength finder material is a lot about discovering what you have to leverage it to get what you deserve. And what we really believe is that everything that God has given you, he's given you to give away. Hmm. So let's use our tools in order to discover what it is that God has given us to give away. And let's, let's be focused on that. When I discover what it is I have, it should empower to me to more effectively and freely give it away to the people in which God has given me to lead. And so I, I would strongly encourage individuals that have, have had exposure to strength finders to apply leading from your strengths into that to bring it to the next level and vice versa. Great tools. I would love to do work with Buckingham. I think someday mm. we'll write together. I've been praying about that. So. That's awesome. You know, and I, I'll agree yep. with you. I'm, I mean, we've had them all done, and I'm a fan. Yep. I think the more insight you get, the more ways you turn the jewel of God's yep. creation, the more light you see. And uh, I'm a big fan of like we profile everybody we're going to hire before we hire them yep. uh, because it really, as you say, it predicts. So much. And, you know, often you're going yep. on what when you're hiring and building a team? Your gut, you know, your hopes, yeah. uh, good, good, you know, good feelings. And and that doesn't, you know, I remind myself all the time when you're uh, interviewing somebody, you know, this is the most in love with this person you'll ever be. And because <laughs> because once they join you, it's like getting married. You're like, oh, that's how we do toothpaste in this house. Okay, right. And, and so... Right. You, you need predictors that really help. And of course, if you understand the strengths and the weaknesses, you're able to build up a, a good team over time. Um, let me ask you this. Um, you know, so I have a natural strength pattern. Everybody does. And everyone's profile is different. You got those 19,000 combinations. Um, yeah. But to what extent, if we try to change, like I think you need to take the hard edges off, but like I will never be a cautious bean counting type person. That's just like, to what extent are you fighting the way God created you? What is the difference between 
tempering the hard edges off your personality and denying who God created you to be? And how do you know when you've crossed that line? Yeah, so I, I like to examine Paul on this one. You know, it's kind of like mm. Paul, you know, would you say he was a, aggressive or reflective before the cross? Uh, before, <laughs> I'd say aggressive, yeah. And, and he aggressively persecuted the church, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but after the cross, was he aggressive or reflective? He was still aggressive. I would say he was aggressive. Yeah. But what did he do? He aggressively evangelized the church. So what changed about Paul? Mm-hmm. What changed about Paul was his perspective. What changed about Paul is about the truth in which he was applying, same as it is with us. So what we encounter is we help leaders understand, listen, our goal isn't for you to leave anything behind. Our goal is for you to understand how what you're applying is either bringing life or death into your most meaningful relationships. Right. How what you're applying either has the fruits of the Spirit operating within it and around it. How can I be aggressive but still be gentle? How can I be aggressive and yet still be kind? See, that aggressive tendency keeps us moving down the road and keeps us out of the rut. Just like that reflective tendency when it comes to problem solving keeps us from venturing into opportunities we shouldn't be involved in, keeps us from starting certain projects that we shouldn't be involved with, keeps us understanding the full or totality of the problem and the implications of how we solve it and so on and so forth. And it's how those differences learn how to submit to each other that we actually can problem solve at a level we've never problem solved before. It's seeing value in the other side of that continuum. It's seeing that I don't see everything clearly and Mm -hmm. I need a different lens. I've got to invite that lens in and collective wisdom is much stronger than independent wisdom. Yes. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Do you ever find people try to use profiles like this as justifications for bad behavior? Absolutely. And (laughs) I would say if if you got somebody saying, that's just the way I am, and I'm sorry I hurt you, I think that's a pretty prideful, arrogant position and statement to be in. And I think scripture is pretty clear about that pride and Mm -hmm. what happens to that pride. And so, you know, my prayer always is, is when I'm working with a team or a group or even doing coaching, you know, with somebody is my goal when we're finished with the leading from your strengths process is that you'll never be able to see a relationship that God has strategically placed around you the same way ever again. Hmm. And God is a God of placing people next to you. I like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, where Paul talks about how God has set the members, each one of them, just as he desired. And that word Mm -hmm. set is a jeweler's term. And the only other time that we see it in all of Scripture is when the jewelers are placing the stones of the tribe into the breastplate. Did not know and that. So the jeweler, so the jeweler is trying to accomplish something really specifically when the jeweler mm. places a stone. Think about that for a minute. You see this solitaire sitting in this setting, and you go, "How in the world does that thing stay there?" And so, the first thing the jeweler is trying to do when he places the stone is he's trying to secure the stone for a lifetime. And so do you actually look at God when you encounter Hmm. conflict? Does it create insecurity in you as a leader? Or does it create security? Do you look at God so purposefully placing people next to you in order to create security or secure you? The second thing the jeweler's trying to do is he's trying to shine the best light of the stone. So when you encounter differences or conflict on your team as a leader, do you see that individual as an individual that is diminishing the light of the team or increasing the light of the team? God's intent is to increase the light, not diminish the light. The third thing that the jeweler is trying to do is the jeweler is trying to set the stone in a way in which hides the inclusion the inclusion or the imperfection. Hmm. Do you look at God so strategically placing people next to you in order to hide your imperfections? Do you, do you see God 
putting people next to you to step into your weaknesses and limitations? And do you allow them to do that? Hmm. And do you step into others' imperfections and limitations or you tend to exploit them? It's one or the other. There is no gray. And I would wow. encourage you as a leader, as a leader, when you encounter differences, I implore you, when you feel that somebody on your team is diminishing the light of the team instead of increasing the light, mm. check that at the ta- check that at the door, man. <laughs> yeah. Engage, seek to understand, and 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 de- and and determine why you're feeling that way because that's not God's intent. If you if you feel insecure, mm-hmm. check that at the door, man. God yeah. God's intent is is to drive security. So engage it, discover what it is, find out what that insecurity is. Third, when you encounter those differences and 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 you discover a weakness that you have, don't try and hide that weakness. Bring it into the light. Invite somebody into it and allow them to cover it. And you know what? As a leader, when you discover a weakness in somebody, don't exploit it, cover it, step into it. That's what great leaders do. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what it means to be unified. And when a world looks into that type of team, they're going to look into the eyes of Jesus. Hmm. That's pretty amazing, you know, because it's an honest assessment, too. I think often as leaders, we have this idea that we're going to get the perfect team, right, with perfect people. And it just just doesn't work that way because you're not perfect. (laughs) And no matter who you hire, they come with strengths and weaknesses and, and the whole deal. Um, what happens Absolutely. to a fully assessed team? Like what changes once the entire team has an awareness of where everyone else lands on the spectrum? Well, we like to establish a biblical foundation out of that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, before we actually bring a profile in to the equation, mm-hmm. that objective data. So what we want to do with a team is kind of set a stage to say, listen, if we're gathering together in order to become a more effective team, then we should be willing to come into our time together, admitting that there are certain things that we don't know about that we're going to discover. Hmm. And there are certain lies in which potentially we bought about each other that we're going to dispel. And when we leave this room together, we should better understand each other and we should be uh, leading at a higher level than when we walked in. There is nobody walking in here that is perfect. No one that is walking into this interaction with it all together. We should leave this room a different set of people than when we walked in. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Yeah. And so, yeah. so if we can set that spirit coming in, and we can invite vulnerability and transparency into the room, that's transformational in and of itself. Mm. And then when you bring objective data in that's in an encouraging light and in a strengths-based light and be willing to apply that through the lens of the gospel, I think we walk out of a, out of a team interaction as a transformed team. I think that's the ingredients. That's cool. Rodney, I know people are going to want to know more. Uh, where can they find you and where can they find Leading From Your Strengths and Ministry Insights online? So you can go to ministryinsights.com and just click on My Strengths. And oh, so great. that's kind of one All of the right. first area in which you'll see. And Carrie, I've had Lee, my assistant, set up for you and your listeners a discount coupon. Wow. So anybody that goes online and wants to actually take their team through our processes or you just want to go through it yourself to start apply a coupon in the shopping cart, uh, just the word carry. Oh, there you go. You apply the word carry all in uppercase in the shopping cart. When you get ready to to check out, we're going to give you any of your listeners to to this podcast, a 20% discount. And if you're uh, buying team-based profiles, 10, 25, 50, whatever the number might be, uh, you'll we'll apply that twenty percent discount on top of volume discount. So wow. we would encourage your listeners to go out, take us up on that offer, and apply that coupon. And um, uh, and it's good for life. Apply it over and over and over again. We would hope you would integrate leading from your strengths into everything that you do. So, Rodney, that's amazing. And just so you know, because people are listening, it's C A R E Y. So there you go. Yep. Hanging out with me might save you a tiny bit of money. It's glad glad to be of some <laughs> use to somebody at some point. So, uh, yep. Rodney, that's very generous of you. Thank you so much. And uh, you bet. 
You know, it's just, it was so much fun. And I'm so glad we had this conversation because I just never seen that wide ranging and honestly, staggeringly surprising um, portrait, you know, and I send that now to people I hire. I'm like, hey, this is what you're signing up for. And, uh, you know, let's navigate this stuff together. And and we're getting our team done as well. So, Rodney, thank you so much for that. Everything will be in the show notes too, listeners. But again, if you're at ministryinsights.com, click on strengths, make sure you use the coupon code CAREY, C-A-R-E-Y. And Rodney, thank you for you and your team for your generosity. Appreciate it. You bet, Carrie, and thank you for having us on and helping folks lead from those strengths. You're welcome. So wouldn't you love to see, like, your profile? <laughs> I mean, I, I still look at mine from time to time, and I'm like, seriously, did you track me my entire life? Like, really? And if you want to do that, or you want to profile your whole team or volunteers or whatever, you can go to ministryinsights.com, and on checkout, use the promo code CAREY, C-A-R-E-Y. You will get 20% off whatever you order. So that's ministryinsights.com, promo code CAREY. You'll get 20% off everything you order. So that's great. Hey, we're back next week with a fresh episode. If you haven't subscribed to this, would you do it? And would you be so kind as to leave a rating and review on iTunes? Really helps us get the word out. And here's a sample of my interview uh, with Terry Linhart for next week. This isn't for us, right? He, he writes, for Christ's love compels us. You know, the idea that Paul, who's a hard-driving guy, we think, you know, the best we can interpret it, still says, I'm compelled because of love, you know? And so when I'm working on my self-awareness, it's not just so that you'll like me better. It's also so that I am better at Christian leadership. I'm better because I want to be better for my people as a shepherd, as a manager, as whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, I'm being compelled out of love. Okay, so we're back. Hope you have a fantastic week. Enjoy what is becoming a beautiful summer, and we'll catch you next Tuesday. In the meantime, I really hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.